Hello and welcome to Recovery Survey, the podcast where we survey recovering addicts with different backgrounds and different links of clean time and ask them questions about different recovery topics. Our guest today is Owen from Ireland. He's going to be talking about mental health in recovery. Welcome to the show, Owen. My name is Owen. Owen D. from Cork City, Ireland. My recovery clean date is the 30th of August, 2011. And I'll share a little bit about mental health in recovery and how I got to recovery. A little bit about mental health in my past and not knowing I had it, you know, um, it was always kind of clouded with addiction. So like a very brief of how I got to the rooms of recovery. I started using when I was 10, I finished when I was 27, before I picked up. In hindsight, I can say I was full of anxiety, I was depressed, there was self-loathing, self-hatred, no self-worth. And I would have suffered with a lot of bullying and so by the time I did find drugs, it helped, you know, uh, that's the only way I can describe it to stop me thinking you know to stop the voices in my head telling me you're better off dead you know and i was suicidal since the age of seven my oldest memory is sitting on my bed and wanting to had to tie a school tie around my neck and around my bed and wanting to jump and i can remember hearing my mother come up the stairs and that scared me you know um, so there's always that um, suicidal ideation the fantasy wanted to die, you know, so thank God for the years of recovery and I, I've been blessed that I've had the opportunity in a safe manner to go back and visit and understand myself a little bit better, you know. And my parents brought me to um, my local GP when I was about 11 because my behaviour was crazy. I was stealing, I was aggressive and they were like, he needs to put on some form of medication. And I'm grateful for my doctor, and he says, all that boy needs is to talk, you know, and and I could not talk. I didn't know how to articulate words or tell how, how at a young age, do you tell your parents you want to die, you know? So that was kind of my story, and I just kept everything in, and to express myself just, just couldn't happen. I didn't know how, and it came out in anger, you know, when it did. So look, I used drugs, and I experimented with all sorts of chemicals, and um, what I put in my body doesn't really matter, you know, um, and to get drugs, I stole, I robbed, you know, and um, people pleased. I took money from my parents to feed my friends addictions and like, throughout the years, oh, I've done so many terrible things and it's just, I'm not even want to get into too much of that, you know, um, I caused havoc, caused myself so much pain, you know, and I destroyed my family and I suppose where I really lost my mental health break when I was, yeah, I was sexually abused at 13 and again at 18 slash 19, I can't remember the exact age and I suppose that's where my addiction took off more than anything else, you know, and I can remember just brain just switching to darkness and the floor, so there was lots of self-harm and I, I'm able to talk like this now because I understand that I had mental health issues then, you know, I was suffering with depression. I was suffering with PTSD. I didn't need a doctor to tell me what I was suffering with. 
I remember going to my GP like and when I told him what happened and you know, wanting to get tablets and he was just like, You need to talk, you need to get clean first, you know. So I went to my first meeting at twenty one. Um, I went to the fellowship of AA and I spent five years of in and out relapsing, you know. Couldn't deal with my head, with the pain. Yeah, so look, I'm going to talk a little bit now about my journey since I came to the Fellowship of Narcotics Anonymous, you know. I got clean on the 30th of August 2011. I think it was a Tuesday morning, the first day clean. I remember the greatest fear I had was how am I going to live with my feelings? How am I going to live with those dark thoughts? Because I got into psychosis, you know, I was hearing things and that made up stuff that goes on in um, people in addiction, you know, that the stuff that we believe in. When I got clean, I was I was afraid, you know, very much afraid of how I would turn out, you know. Would I be a father to my daughter, you know, was I a danger to her? Was I going to kill myself, you know what I mean? And for a long time, I dismissed that I had any mental health issues in recovery, you know. I just thought I was an addict. And I was fine, you know, and that I, like I am an addict, and that after was down to drug use. If I just do my steps, I, I'll recover, and I'll never have to deal with the mental illness, you know. And I suppose like I have many friends in recovery who suffer with depression, bipolar, you know, schizophrenia, and I, I just kind of compared myself to that, you know, and that I'm fine. They've got real mental health, you know. I suppose it's a bit of denial. I was in denial that there was other things going on, you know, in the background. And how I maintained it, I suppose, uh, and kept kept it at bay. The twelve steps sponsorship and um, service within my home group, helping another addict and um, being a part of my family. The sport that I was involved with, I got into rock climbing. And it built up my confidence and I was always busy, you know. So the more busy I was, the less time I had to connect into that that stuff from the past. Um, that stuff that that broke me, you know. Um, I, I've had a few different occasions where I could see the cracks coming, you know. Um, I suppose having night terrors a few years ago, you know, to not sleeping. Um, screaming, roaring in the night and... And this is at like about five or six years clean and thinking there's something wrong here, you know, there's something not right. And I remember going to my GP and just saying, look, I'm fucked, give me tablets, you know. And I wasn't too keen on taking them. I just had so much stuff going on in my head that I wanted it to stop, you know. And I speak to people in recovery, you know, other friends of mine. And they say, you don't have any mental health issues, you're fine, you're fine just going through a bad patch and, and I've lost of instances you know that I could say that I was in trouble but I'm going to just speak a little bit about the last two years you know is where I got to see depression at its finest you know I was in a four or five year relationship with a French girl and this girl had her own her own issues you know I would label it mental health you know what I mean and and I tried to fix her, you know. as a lot of people in recovery do, try to fix other people. Slowly I started getting really sad. 
because I could see our relationship was breaking. It wasn't working. I tried everything. So what happened to me? I broke myself walking down, you know. And I'm always very careful that I, I don't just lay myself that I'm in a massive depressed state when life can just be just unfair for a little bit of time, you know. Because if I say I'm depressed every day, it's not a good thing, you know, because I'm not depressed every day. It comes in bouts and yeah. I never liked that word. I suppose like where I'm from in Ireland, I don't know what it's like in the States. But here I was kind of shunned upon. No one really talked about it. Don't tell anyone. Don't speak about suicide. Don't speak about depression. And I'm grateful it's changing, but not much. So I didn't really tell much people. You know, I just diminished the thoughts that I, I was depressed, you know. I don't use the word depressed. I said I'm a bit low. So yeah, look, 2019, getting straight back into it and I don't like wasting time talking about nonsense. That relationship ended 2019. I took myself out of it, you know. And I had a workplace accident. I'm a rock climbing instructor. It was my life. I loved it. It brought me so much happiness and joy and purpose. And I ended up destroying my wrist, which ended my career. It ended my hobby. I couldn't do the sport I love to do. And I lost my job. I lost my wages. I lost my partner. Because I lost my job, I lost my care. I was living back home with my parents. I couldn't feed my daughter, not properly. So I had my ex-partner pressure, pressure. And what happened was my purpose was taken away and I was left with myself, you know, and the old demons that I suppressed with recovery that I thought were dealt with. I used work and I used the sport to keep that stuff at bay, you know, and unfortunately it was creeping and this is the sneaky thing about it. I didn't want to tell anyone how I really felt. And I'm a man who's involved in a 12-step program. I'm involved with a home group, you know. I have sponsees who guide them through the steps, you know, and involved with service at a national level. So I know all the right things to do. But I couldn't do it for myself because this thing wants me on my own. I have battle addiction and it wants you on your own. And then you have your mental health inside of it and it just wants you on your own. So it's um, it was a battle. Getting into the summer of 2019, I got very bad. But I started to express myself to my parents a little bit and, and my sister. They could, they could see it, you know. I was like a walking zombie. I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating. All I was doing was pacing around the house. I had a massive court case because of the injury, so I had lots of pressure, pressure, pressure. And, and I was going into meetings and I, I wasn't being true, you know, and I wasn't expressing myself correctly, letting people know because I had a certain amount of years in recovery, I shouldn't be like this. So that was the lies that my brain was feeding, that my disease was feeding me. It was telling me, don't talk about it, keep it to yourself. And that's where I wanted me, you know. And as I said, my clean day was the 30th of August, 2011. On the 26th of August, I had a rope from the from rock climbing. I had the noose ready and tied. And I was sitting in my bed at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was just in this daze, you know, where I was going to do it, why I was going to do it. They're all better off. And I had just let the 
those small voices, you know, that used to be very loud when I was a kid, the same thing, you know, my wor- I was worthless and I get emotional thinking about it, you know, because I can still feel it, because it's not, it's not that long ago. And just having this light bulb moment, I just snapped. It's like I came back into reality after nine or ten months. And it's like, what am I thinking? With this rope in my hand, I'm just like, what are you doing, man? I contacted my sponsor. And he's not a medical profession, you know. And he said that to me, I'm not a medical professional. You know, you're going to have to go do something about these thoughts and these thinkings. And there's certain stuff that the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous can't help me with, you know. And so that was like, you know, the first day we come into recovery and we say, you know, I'm an addict and I'm powerless and I'm done. Please help me. I had to do that again. I had to do very deep surrender and walk into my home group and tell everyone, when I was collecting my clean time tag, this is the way I'm feeling. I have depression. My own GP told me that. My own doctor said, oh, you have depression. And it's no wonder you do. And I remember sitting down talking with my GP. What can we do? What are my options? You know, I didn't want to go on medication. Just for the simple fact, I prefer Marta. But I didn't diminish it. I said, okay, let me try a few things first. You know, let me try talk this out. Let me try and do what I know best. You know, I know how to talk and I know how to express. Program of Narcotics Anonymous taught me that. So that was my journey to uh, the start of my recovery again. Accepting, you know, that it's, uh, I have depression. Talk openly about it and be comfortable with the fact that I have it. It doesn't define me. Doesn't it's not like a, a scar or a burden I have to cross in. It's just something that I know I'm gonna live with for the rest of my life and I won't be there every day. I started to get relief. I'd be doing outside help with a crowd called Pieta House that are amazing suicide prevention and intervention and bereavement counseling facility here in, in Ireland. They helped me, you know, we got to work on a bit of stuff that I forgot about. It was never shown to me. It came at the right time and you know, they say in our literature more will be revealed and stuff was revealed and I've been on the process since then. And I can remember a very close friend of mine, he was seventeen years clean. Big Dan and he's schizophrenia. And he stopped taking his medicine, he killed himself a few days before Christmas twenty nineteen. It's just that mental health and recovery stuff, you know, we just don't know where people are at and I lost a good friend, you know, a very close friend that I loved early uh, to this. And I suppose it just reaffirmed me that um, I have a lot of work to do. I'm not panicking over it, you know. If I do a few simple things in recovery, you know, I take care of my recovery. I attend meetings. I'm still involved with my service, you know. I'm still involved with my family and my daughter. When my mental health is up, is acting up, I talk to people who identify with it, who've been through it, you know. I don't go on telling everyone because we always get, you know, we get mixed opinions from people that truly don't understand it. So I'm careful who I speak to, but I do speak. And then we ended up in this lovely uh, pandemic. I suppose one thing I always wanted to do for myself since I got clean was walk the Camino de Santiago. So I'm out in Spain just before the, the shutdown happened. And it's the first time in all my life I felt serenity and peace, you know, true peace, just being lost in the mountains. And that was cut short. Obviously, you know, we had to leave the country and come home. And 
And it's where I had to put my program, everything, and knowledge into play. I came home from me walking in the mountains of Spain into like a prison cell, like my bedroom, um, and I had to stay there for two weeks on my own. And I had a bit of fear, you know, I was like, what am I going to do? I'm on my own, just me in my head. How am I going to get through this, you know? But I'm only one of millions of people who have had to go through what we're going through right now. Is my mental health playing up at the moment? A little bit. A little. Am I getting bouts of sadness? Yes. But it's not staying there for long because I do simple things. I'm on a podcast. I'm expressing myself right now, you know, through a podcast and sharing with other people where I'm at, you know, and how I get through it. And um, we're seven, eight weeks kind of into this global pandemic at the moment and kind of getting through it easy enough, if that is the correct way to see it, you know, I'm working on my spirituality, you know, lots of prayer, meditation, open discussion, mindfulness, looking at stuff that's online that can help me keep me connected, all taking walks, you know. And connection, you know, the uh, most important thing, mental health and recovery, is that connection to a higher power, to another human being. I hope I've made sense, you know, and um, whatever's after coming out is what's meant to come out today, you know. It's an ongoing journey, you know, and no doubt about it, I've stuff coming to my door that I'm going to have to face in the future that scares me and frightens me. All know my abuse and stuff like that. And I'll be able to get through it, you know. If I get depressed, if my mental health kicks up again, I know what I need to do. And I'm like, my story is my story. I haven't taken any medication to help me with my mental health. And that's the choice that myself and my doctor make. If my doctor suggests it, if things get bad, I'll follow his direction, you know, because I'm not a, a medical profession, you know, and I trust my doctor. Yeah, so today I haven't had to take... Um, prescribed medication to get through what I had to get through. I done it with the, the program from the 12 steps with my sponsor through open discussion. Carefully take care of myself through physical activity and well-being. So what advice would you give to someone that's in recovery that's also struggling with mental health? First of all, don't let anyone else in recovery play God with you. You know, you speak to medical professions, you know, if you're, if you're going through a very hard time, Get a few opinions from doctors. Don't just get one. And speak to people who have mental health, who have gone through similar processes as yourself. It's to find mental health, it's very different, you know. Some people have schizophrenia, some people are bipolar, you know. So everyone is different. Trust in the people who've been there and trust in the medical profession. But some people in, in the rooms, they're not doctors. And they're only going off what they believe, uh, not what they know. Um, first and foremost, please talk. Make sure you talk to someone and let someone in before those voices get too loud. Because I know what that those voices can do. They can be quiet. When they get loud, they get loud. And we're only one moment away from causing a world of pain to ourselves and our loved ones. You know? So please talk. Yeah, you made a great point there. In our basic text, it says we recommend turning our legal problems over to lawyers and our financial or medical problems to professionals. Part of learning how to live successfully is learning when we need help. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. It's too dangerous otherwise, you know. And from my experience, I had guys tell me I didn't even have depression. 
you know. And I've seen people tell people come off their medication, and when they did, they've relapsed, you know, and they haven't come back. So just be mindful, you know, whoever's listening, just be mindful, because at the end of the day, it's your life, you know, and that's the most important thing. Thank you again, Owen, for speaking to us about mental health and recovery. You have a very powerful story, and I think it's going to help a lot of people. Thanks again for listening to Recovery Survey. If you enjoyed the episode, please consider leaving us a rating or a review, and please be sure to tell your friends about us. If you'd like to get in contact with us, we have a brand new website. It's recoverysurvey.com. Until next time, I've been your host, Brett. Thanks for listening.